Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. It's Friday, January 26th. Here's the midday news from Michael Hill. The last of the Newburgh Four co-defendants has been granted an early release from prison. 58-year-old James Cromitty was sentenced to 25 years in prison more than a decade ago for plotting to bomb Jewish sites in the Bronx and military aircraft upstate. But Judge Colleen McMahon ordered compassionate release and said the FBI invented the conspiracy. Kerry Lawrence is Cromitty's attorney. This was the most egregious case of government entrapment I've ever encountered and I was a prosecutor in that office for 10 years and have been on the defense side for more than 20. So I've never seen anything like this and haven't seen anything like this since. Three others convicted in a plot were granted compassionate release last summer. The U.S. Attorney's Office and FBI are not commenting. The New York City Department of Corrections says significantly fewer people died in city jails last year. WMC's Jesse Edwards reports. Nine people died in Department of Correction custody last year, compared to 19 people the year before. The department says that's because it trained most of its staff to use the overdose reversal drug Narcan, and trained more staff in CPR and suicide prevention. They say they also stopped thousands of weapons and drugs from entering Rikers. But Veronica Vailer of the Legal Aid Society says the number of deaths is still far too high. Any death is is a tragedy, but nine deaths is is still a huge number. So they've just gone from sort of outrageously horrible to, you know, very bad. Two people have died on Rikers Island already this year. 44 with clouds out there, fog clearing up early afternoon, a high of 47 today. And then tomorrow, mostly cloudy, 48, rain likely Saturday night. Sunday, we, we turn cooler with rain, a high near 41. Stay close. There's more after the break. When you see actor Danielle Brooks on the red carpet at the Oscars, she will be in full glamour and in grief. I've been with Sophia for so long, and I just know, like, after the Oscars, that chapter is really done, and that saddens me. I'm Kai Wright, a star of The Color Purple, honors the role that shaped her career. Next time on Notes from America. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for On The Way, our weekly segment on all things considered, breaking down the week's transit news. Joining us, WMIC's transportation reporter Stephen Nesson, reporter Ramsey Khalife, and editor Clayton Guza. Okay, everybody, we have lots to talk about this week, including some news developing just this afternoon that, Stephen, you've been covering. Tell us the latest on the one train derailment. Right. So the one train derailment, which not to be confused with the F train derailment also this month, but the one train was when, uh, if you'll recall, two trains were going kind of slow through the tunnel in Upper West Side and slowly collided. There were, you know, more than two dozen injuries, but uh, the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, is looking into it. Um, and, you know, th- it was kind of a strange incident because a vandal had pulled the emergency brakes on a bunch of trains. Um, and so the one of them had no passengers, the other had passengers, and um, a, an operator was 
operating the train from the middle, uh, and there was someone in the front sort of guiding him over the radio, and then they apparently went through a signal and collided with the train with passengers. The preliminary report that we have so far indicates that the radios on the train where the two train drivers were operating wasn't working. Mm. The MTA said today that they tested them after and that they were working after the crash. They're not sure. Maybe it was on the wrong frequency or it was turned off. Um, but there's some questions, but it's unclear. But it's the NTSB seems to indicate it may be a radio issue. Um, the MTA, for its part, says it's looking at the conduct of the individuals involved and as well as the MTA procedures around radio use um, and what to do when, you know, a train is being driven from the middle of the car with someone guiding it. Although the MTA says that actually happens pretty frequently, 10 to 12 times a week. Mm. Meanwhile, New Jersey Transit says it's planning to hike fares 15 percent this year. Tell us about that. Governor Murphy announced it Wednesday. Train and bus fares, Sean, 15 percent. He wants to start that uh, increase on July 1st. Uh, we should note the the NJ Transit hasn't had a fare increase since 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an indication for riders, what does that mean practically? You know, a one-way bus ride from Tom's River to the Port Authority would go from 2125 to 2440. Mm, yes. um, uh, and a one-way ride from Princeton Junction to Penn Station would go from uh, $16 to $18.40. Um, you know, starting next year, Murphy does want to make that fare hike more predictable, something like 3% every year. That's actually something the MTA already does with its biannual fare increases of about 2% a year. You know, NJ Transit did give a few reasons for this massive fare increase. You know, they cited inflation, ridership declines from COVID, um, and also their COVID uh, relief aid from the government has run dry. Um, you know, they are facing a shortfall and they say without without this increase, they may have to resort to uh, cuts to service. Um, and unlike the MTA, New Jersey Transit doesn't have dedicated taxes uh, to help balance their books. They rely on the legislature for funding. Now, those are huge fare hikes. It's going to cost commuters a lot. And Clayton, they come as Murphy is suing over another high cost for commuters, the MTA's congestion pricing program, everyone's favorite topic. Yeah, I mean, we talk about New Jersey's lawsuit over congestion pricing, it seems, every week on mm-hmm. this segment. And it's really it offers really interesting context to the New Jersey transit fare hikes, right? The congestion pricing will charge $15 to most drivers who go below 60th Street in Manhattan during the day. Jersey drivers get a $5 credit if they cross a tunnel and already pay a toll. Um, but Murphy has, for more than a year, way, be- way before the lawsuit was issued, um, said it's unfair because, you know, NJ Transit can't handle more riders, um, uh, that people need to drive to New York. Um, but he's kind of telling on himself in a way and saying that, you know, oh, I failed to invest in the agency. I failed to make trains run on time. And then what else? what's also interesting, and we've talked about this previously, is that they amended their lawsuit complaint, the justification of their lawsuit. They're suing the federal government over its approval of congestion pricing. And now they're saying that, it would violate the U.S. Constitution because it would hinder the ability for interstate commerce. Now, you know, passenger rail, maybe not interstate commerce, but it is New Jersey saying, hey, New York, you got to pay also a little bit more to come to New Jersey by the, to the tune of 15 percent. That context is just kind of interesting right now as the fight continues in court uh, between the two states over the tolls. Mm. All right. So back to New York City. Some updates this week on the MTA's newest subway cars. We've heard about the new R211 trains on the A-line. 
but they have another new type of car. It's the so-called open gangway cars. WNYC's Ramsey Khalife broke some news about these cars. Ramsey, can you tell us what they are and, and what you learned about them? Yeah, these exciting new open gangway trains, like you said, the ones where you can walk openly between cars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're seen in subway systems in Paris and Tokyo. We learned that they actually can't run on certain express tracks. Um, the MTA has two of these trains, and they've been testing them without passengers for months, you know, to see how it would work in New York. They were supposed to run on the A and the C lines, but we obtained internal memos that say it would be, quote, impossible for them to run on the express A line. Uh, they only run on the local C line instead. That's the plan. Why is that? Well, essentially, you know, in an uh, emergency brakes or trip, let's say that happens, uh, operators are required to get out of the train and fully inspect every side of every car um, to see if brakes were activated by an object or maybe, you know, a person on the tracks. So now imagine this, the express tracks in the middle, there's two local tracks in between them. Uh, this makes it more difficult. When the emergency brakes are tripped, again, in this situation, uh, train operators are then instructed to go to car to car uh, and lower themselves between those cars. Um, that's just to make those inspections. But according to the memo, it's going to be harder to do that on open gangway trains because there isn't actually space between the cars. Right, you can't do it, right. Yeah. New York City Transit President Richard Davey actually addressed this today. He says the MTA ordered step ladders for crews to get down on the sides of these open gangway cars and lights below to help them, you know, reactivate these brakes if they get like deactivated, if someone pulls the emergency lever. And he says the MTA actually chose not to run these on the express tracks. Here's what he has to say. For a new car class, we just thought it was more prudent to have that car stopping at stations more frequently. So this is not a mistake. It's not a design flaw. Um, this is the first step in a testing. And, uh, you know, frankly, our A-Train customers are getting a lot of R211s, so we thought we would give a little love to our C-Train customers as well. He did say, you know, as far as safety concerns, uh, there are, you know, worries that if there's a fire on the train, he doesn't want the train to be too far from a station, uh, like if it's on an express line. Uh, so for now, out of caution, they say they're just going to run it on the local tracks. And he says the public may see them as soon as next week. Or he said the next couple of weeks, he left it open. Okay. It's another big week in transit news. You can stay in the know and even get your question answered by signing up for our weekly transportation newsletter at gothamist.com slash on the way. Stephen Clayton Ramsey, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Be sure to catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back this evening 